If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. So would you like to introduce yourself to our guests? I don't think they've ever heard of you. Yeah, uh, my name is Luke Preisner. No, uh, Luke only. <laughs> We've gotten married. <laughs> we have, secretly. Yes. Secretly. A Imagine. secret tryst. Um, how are you doing? Not bad. Uh, very busy, as you know, but uh, so it's all happening at the moment. How do you feel about where the virus is at? I've never seen the frenzy of media stuff since almost the start of the pandemic in the last two or three weeks. They're on to me the whole time. Yeah. Now, mainly around antigen testing and the boosters. They're the, they're the two big hot topics, as you know, at the moment. I have my well, antigen test here. Oh, show me that. Let me have a little look at it. Yeah. Oh, you I wouldn't use that one. Nobody can. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, is it okay? very good. Yeah. They're the ones one. I've been using. They're good. Yeah. I use them twice a week now. They're great. Yeah. I mean, it's the controversy about the messaging from Neffet. People keep asking me to dig into Neffet and say they've yeah. got it wrong, you know. Um, but now they're going to be rolled out widely, which is great to see. It's just too um, late. Or not too it, late. They but could like, have done it much more quickly. Yeah. yeah. I've just done a piece actually on looking back and looking forward. Yeah. So what do we get right and wrong? And then what should we do next year, basically? And one thing is they could have brought those out much more quickly. And then, of course, people are confused still, it seems, how to use them, which is terrible because it's straightforward, really. You know? I think I'm going to do one live on Instagram just to show Good people. idea. Yeah. The, the, the controversy at the moment is should you do them if you have symptoms or not? Have right. Have you that one? They're saying not to do it if you have symptoms. Now, I'm against that. Okay. You have symptoms. Why wouldn't you do an antigen test? Especially if you can't get a PCR test. I mean, yeah, well, it's the, the PCR crazy. is best, obviously. Yes, but you'd get an antigen test to be like, oh, I have it. You'll have it. Yeah, and, you, no, and then you, you stay home. Doors. It's the same old thing. If you're negative, it could be a false negative. That's what they worry about, as you know. But just, just observe social distancing and all the public health measures if you're negative, even if you have symptoms. There are 200,000 people at the moment in Ireland with some kind of sniffles. Yeah. Do they really expect them all to stay home? When they're very mild disease. It's just, I think it's just unworkable, you know. So what I'm saying is, let the symptomatic people use them. In other countries, people with symptoms can use them. Um, I have questions from listeners. Um, But do you think that something has happened? I've observed something happening that I think is interesting. I think that last week and the week before, the government created so much hype and fear. uh, And they they brought down this curfew to midnight. Yeah. That people have actually started changing their behaviour to the extent that they may not need to bring in more restrictions. Like people are cancelling holidays. I've had three events cancelled. We've cancelled our live podcast because 400 people in a room seemed irresponsible. Yeah. But because we've all cancelled those things, like, you know, your girl's night out might still be able to happen until midnight. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. to. I mean, it's good that people are restricting things a bit mm-hmm. because that would help bring the virus down. But you're trying to balance that with living your life, remember. I mean, we all want to live our lives, don't we? So, But I think pe- people are sensible. They're going to go, I don't like the look at that event or uh, the big Christmas party hoping for 50 people all in yeah. a big room having a great time together. They'd love to do it. But they'll probably say, no, maybe not, maybe not now. You know? But I think it's 50-50. Some people will still do these things. And they, it- they can still be done if we use antigen testing, by the way. I'm a big fan of that. So, so if you do go to an event and you're slightly anxious because you're meeting your grandmother, do an antigen test the next day. And, and if you're positive, you know, stay home. And can, do you think it's fair to ask your relatives to do them before they come to you? Um, you could, yeah. That, that could go badly, that could backfire on you maybe, you know. Yeah. But I think, I think um, if, if, if you feel yourself that there's a chance you're positive because you've been out and about, do an antigen test. Because the false positive rate's tiny. In other words, if you're positive, it will come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's 85%. 
accuracy there. So it will catch 85% of positives. Then you stay home. Or you're extremely careful with, with people who are vulnerable. You still need you know. to get a PCR test. And then, then you do a PCR. Exactly. You stay okay. home and then do a PCR. Yeah. I'm going to hit these questions, okay? First up, Louise. I have a query about if there's any research about how long natural immunity is supposed to last after vaccination and infection. I got my second dose of Pfizer, Pfizer at the end of June. Then I got COVID five weeks later, fully recovered, and then contracted 15 weeks after that. Thankfully, I wasn't too sick. I just finished my 10 days isolation. I teach in a class for children with autism. I was a close contact of one of the kids who had it. I wear a mask and wash my hands. Am I just extremely unlucky or is this something that we can expect going forward? Um, we are learning a huge amount about this, by the way, because obviously us immunologists love people who have been infected after the vaccine and, you know, how strong was your immune response and so on. It's a good thing if you get in strangely. I mean, nobody wants to get infected, but if you've been vaccinated, it's like a booster if you've been infected. Okay. The only question we have is how strong was that response? Because it's very variable. In other words, someone have a very mild infection and they test positive on a PCR test, but the immune system didn't really get going. Mm -hmm. So that's why the advice anyway is take a booster, even if you've been infected, just in case the infection didn't trigger a big response in you. But this person's had two infections, have they? Yeah, two infections. I, they're well protected now. I mean, they're bound to have a great response. And remember, if you've been vaccinated, you're primed to respond to an infection and it gets the immune system going even more, you know. So it's not a bad thing, strangely, to be infected post-vaccination. And I would suggest as well that person didn't develop severe disease because they'd been vaccinated. But they didn't say it, so I presume not. Yeah, yeah. Do they keep data on breakthrough cases and what vaccine they had? I'd love to know if it's glaringly obvious if one is way better than the other. They are keeping lots of data, not in Ireland necessarily, but in the US. Yeah. And in the UK, the three top countries for immunology in the world, actually, let's give them a shout out, is the Brits. Yeah. And I train there myself, you see, so I wouldn't be in favour. The US and Israel, they're measuring everything that moves at the moment. I mean, in, the, in Israel, they're assessing four million people. Isn't that incredible? And they're learning all the time, you see. So, so we know an awful lot about this immune process. In fact, we're going to learn new things about the immune system, I bet you through all this analysis you see uh, what was the question again though which is there any, oh, yeah, any glaringly obvious of like which viruses which vaccine was better and yeah I mean obviously Johnson and Johnson one shot was never a good idea really so it's waning and, and they got people. away with that right. uh, initially they need to be boosted after two months three months they see waning they're all waning though uh, AstraZeneca wanes slightly faster than Pfizer but they all eventually end up in the same place you see if you let them run you know it's clear now waning begins at about four months we have some coffee behind you lovely Waning begins in four months. Do you, think, do you think that like this is going to continue until um, we have a vaccine for Delta? Um, no, the, the truth is, if you get your third shot, it's so strong it can fight any variant. Because remember, when, when Delta... Any current variant. Maybe even any future variant. Amazing as it may seem. Because now the Delta has a different spike. The antibodies from the previous ones still recognise the spike, but less effective. Okay. But you're making so many antibodies, you swamp it. It's a bit like blue tack, as the analogy is, Stephanie, as you know. If you make loads of blue tack, even if it's slightly less sticky next time around, it'll still, it'll still swamp the thing, you know. Yeah. But it does make sense, though, in the future, like the flu, to have a Delta-specific vaccine, and they're being made as we speak. And in fact, I just read a great piece in The Economist, which I'd recommend to everybody. It's predicting the next year. What's it say? Year three, it's called. Can you imagine? We're talking about year God three of Christ. the pandemic. And by the time we get to the summer and next winter, for sure, there'll be what I call polyvalent vaccines. What they are is all the current variants in the one shot. And that makes sense because then you get a huge response, you see. So, but I've no doubt that the future will be variant-specific vaccines just like the flu. So you think that like once we're all boosted, we can see an end to this? 
the other great data is, uh, this was about a week ago, this is how hot and heavy this comes. My One of my dear Israeli friends was telling me this. Um, probably 10 to 12 months protection after the third shot. Now, that's predictive because 10 to 12 months. months protection. Now, what that means is every winter then, okay. only the vulnerable though. Okay. The only reason we're doing mass vaccinations is to drive the virus down. That's the only reason. You won't need to vaccinate people under 40 indefinitely. Yeah. Uh, it'll be vulnerable older people, like the flu again. Just like the flu, in fact. Have every you been winter. surprised at this fourth wave or not? No, I knew it was coming. Yeah, and I was predicting it. I mean, if I blow smoke up my own, what's it? Um, I said, no, no, we've got to be careful in the winter now. It's a respiratory virus. It will come back. Okay. I'm surprised at the waning, Stephanie. That wasn't predictable. That was disappointing, wasn't it? Well, there was always a I chance of it. I felt let down. Like. I felt let down myself. Uh, that, that was never predictable because we didn't look at it, obviously, scientifically. It's probably because these coronaviruses are clever buggers. And they can dodge the immune system a bit. And then you begin to get dodging and then the waning begins. So that was a bit of a disappointment. But it, it is soluble with the third shot, remember. Hepatitis B is the great parallel. Different virus, now mind you, different vaccine. But still, that's a three-shot vaccine. They discovered that during the vaccination campaign for Hep B. They realised O2 is, doesn't suffice. So it's a bit empirical you, you, yeah. as you go along. It that just, one has two, a four-week gap between the first and second shot and an eight-week gap from shot two to three. We should make the gap from shot two to three three, four months, not five or six months, which right now is extremely important. Now, I'm banging on this because we want to protect everybody before Christmas, all the vulnerable. They should get all the over 60s done by the first week in December. And I just saw today, actually, uh, the, the subcommittee and the daughter are asking for that now because they know that this is what needs to be done. But, like, it's it's impossible. Well, I don't know. A vaccine, there's, there's capacity to vaccinate people, isn't there? But there doesn't seem to be much PCR capacity at the moment. PCR is a bit of a disaster. It's, it's strange, that one. And it's not true that we're overwhelmed. Uh, Austria and Denmark have five or six times the rate of PCR testing than we have. So something's gone wrong there. I don't know well, what yeah, it is. Because the, the argument for not antigen testing was always, we have so much PCR yeah. capacity, there's no need. Yeah, that's not the case. There's have the they people, ramped it down? Like, have they... I don't know. There are lots of people turning up for PCR tests, but they just don't seem to have anticipated the need for extra capacity. Possibly. I, I don't know. Because I saw today that they're going to start shipping them to, or flying them to Germany. Yeah, to yeah. do. Yeah, I know. Isn't it strange? Question from Laura. Um, my question is in relation to travel. I wonder if Luke might have any insight or opinion into how f- around how freely we'll be able to leave Ireland or welcome tourists from abroad in the coming months. You can open your chocolate. Yes, I want my chocolate. I need my... F- I this, this is the reward I get. Isn't it, Laura says, I haven't seen my family before the pandemic. Um, they're coming from Australia. Their visit... Um, anyway, just basically saying, mm. like, what do you think about international travel? I have no travel? doubt. When we get to March, April, right? Yeah. It'll almost be back to normal. March, April. Yeah, I think so for two reasons. One is it's the winter's over, we're outdoors again, and we have the antivirals. They're extremely important now in the future. Yeah. Because they will they will kill the virus, and that means everybody relaxes. Are they available yet? No. no. In the UK they are. God. Molly Purivere was approved Brexit by the UK regulator. <laughs> Brexit did them well. Can you ask Luke if saliva antigen tests are as good as the nasal swab antigen tests? Thanks a million, Sinead. No, not, not for the moment. No. The issue, the antigen test is a little bit insensitive is the problem. Now, what you're trying to do here, remember, is get a swab up your nose, scrape enough cells out mm-hmm. from your two nostrils, stick it in a bit of liquid and then detect it. If you don't scrape properly, you get a false negative, right? That's what a false negative is. If there's not enough virus in the cells in your nose, it may be in your body, that'll be negative as well. Spit doesn't have enough viral material in it. Less. You, you could it's do diluted. it. It's diluted. It's just too diluted. Yeah. You need cells. Amazingly, people don't realise the virus cannot live outside our cells. It lives inside cells. So you've got to get a cell sample. 
and and that's why you're scraping your inside of your nose to scrape some of the cells. They call epithelial yeah. cells, by the way. You're scraping them off. Saliva. There are cells in saliva with a lot less. So saliva isn't. Now there may be new antigen tests that are more sensitive that will come out where you can use saliva potentially. Okay, so I think people think that like what you want is a sample of your mucus, like your no. snot or all, but you want no. actual skin fact, cells. The advice, if it's some of these kisses blow your nose before you take the test, get the snot out. <laughs> yeah, I have a box here. Um, okay, so next question. Anne, can you ask Luke it's okay to have your booster at five months instead of waiting for the six months? I'm Certainly. 62. I'd go for four months. Get it as soon as you can. As soon as you can. It may even go to three months. I mean, we're, my good colleague, Kingston Mills, who people know as well, he, he's, a, he's a real vaccine expert, by the way. I, I know about vaccines, not as much as him. Give, give, give him a bit, of, a bit of a shout out. He's saying three, four months, and he's dead right. Because, you know, this business of five months was, again, they just tried five months, you know? We know from other vaccines, the hep B, it's eight weeks between the thir- second and third shot you see. So I wouldn't have any worries about going to five months. Um, Ruth, my question for Luke is, does he think that non-essential international travel will be reintroduced by government before Christmas? Does he think that fully vaccinated people will be allowed to fly, etc.? I think you can, you can do non-essential travel, can't you? Yeah. I mean, you can at the moment. Already. She's saying that like, you think they'll cancel it. I don't think uh, that they will. No, no, I don't think so. These things are so damaging, remember. And every government is going to weigh up the measures it introduces for the harm it does versus the benefit. Mm-hmm. And that's why there won't be a full lockdown. I think there'd be... Christmas. I don't think there'll be a full lockdown either. And I think that there'd only be an international travel ban if suddenly there was some huge outbreak yeah. of a new variant in like Austria. And then yeah. there'd be like no flights from Austria. But I don't think international travel as we knew it will shut down again. Well, well, well the worry would be a hospital system getting overwhelmed in a, a developed country. That will, Do you that, think we're that, close that, to that here? Because they're saying we are. I don't, they were, they're worried obviously, but there's a surge capacity, remember, built in with the private hospitals. They're ready for this in a sense, you know, and and there's still a risk of it, it has to be said. And the next, as ever, the next two weeks are critical. It's definitely been saying that for the last two years, but I, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd be slightly more optimistic now. It is plateauing. Now, the rate is a bit high for the plateau, mm-hmm. but it's not, it, isn't, it isn't going up, it seems, at the moment. That might change. That means they now know how many cases will end up in the ICU and they can plan for it, you know. Yeah. And, and, and they should have the capacity to, to deal with that, we hope. You You'd know? hope so. It's a similar question from Helen here. Chances of lockdowns with a 5K limit? I don't think so. Um, my parents got their booster shots last week and I have to antigen test three times a week for work. I'm limiting my movements. Will it be safe to see her family? Well, it's seven days after the booster. Great data again from Pfizer actually themselves, it must be said. After seven days, you're back in business with the booster. In fact, it exceeds the efficacy of the two shots, which we would have predicted. And the analogy I use is if, if, if the vaccine's a suit of armour and the armour starts to get a bit sort of loose, the booster, it's an extra layer. Yeah. So it's, it's better than the original suit of armour you have is what all the data tells us. But it t- takes seven days, though. The immune system has to kick in, you see. Like your life jacket deflating. And yeah, it's just a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. See, I would definitely visit people who've been boosted after seven days. I wouldn't have any, well, any major concerns there. I have an interesting one from Amy. She's so confused about antigen testing. On Friday, she had a terrible headache. She took an antigen test. It was positive. She took another one to double check and that came back positive. She booked a PCR test. That came back negative. Yeah. She took another antigen test. It was positive. She's confused now as to whether she has COVID or not. She's in limbo whether to keep isolating. She'd like for us to discuss it about their reliability. She yeah. rang the HSE and the poor guy on the phone told me that antigen tests were not solely to detect that you're positive. Um, but but that a test could pick up if you've been in contact with COVID in the last nine months, which baffled me. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a tricky one. I've heard that other people come up negative on a PCR and positive on an antigen test, which is a bit unusual because the PCR is, in general terms, seen as more sensitive. Yeah. But no, if you're positive on the antigen test, um, 
there's an 85% chance you're definitely positive. Let's put it that way. And so, so if you're positive on three yeah, antigen tests. And certainly if you're on three. Yeah, independent use is really important because we call that replication. So if you come up as positive on more than one, I'd be almost certain you're positive. Now, the question is, why was the PCR negative? Was it a sampling error? Any test can give a false negative because it isn't done properly or the the, the solution was wrong or whatever yeah. it might be, you know. So I, I, my assumption from that would be that the, the PCR test was a false negative, actually, because it can happen, even yeah. though it's rarer, you know. But it can. That's um, yeah. fascinating. But yeah, any positive from either of them, yeah. it's like assume that it's positive. Exactly, yeah. Can you ask Luke these questions? I hope they make sense. Do you see us living with COVID without annual boosters? Taking medication if and when we perhaps get it in the future? Vaccinating everyone forever seems extreme. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that. Yeah, no, we won't be vaccinating everybody. I said the only reason, there's no real reason to vaccinate people under 40 in general because you've got a great immune system and we know that it's a disease of older people in certain underlying conditions. They're the ones you want to vaccinate every year, you see, and that, that's, what, that's what the future looks like. I know unvaccinated people make up more people in the ICU. It'd be great to know what the age profile of those in ICU and if they have underlying issues um, I think that would encourage unvaccinated people to get vaccinated yeah God, that, was, that, that data was released actually a few days ago so if you're in the ICU right and you're unvaccinated you're much more likely to be young and have no underlying conditions right so whereas if you're if you're vaccinated you're more likely to be old and have a severe disease you see so so yet again it tells us that if you're unvaccinated at any age you're at risk of ending up in the ICU if you're vaccinated to end up in the ICU means you've got something else wrong with you or you're older and that, that's what the, the data is compelling on this it's amazing I think 97% of people in the ICU who are vaccinated have an underlying condition isn't that amazing yeah whereas of the ones who are unvaccinated most of them are healthy with no Just underlying young condition people. and again this was always predictable by the way but, but that's what that's what that uh, analysis tells us I'm doubly vaccinated got COVID three weeks ago I work in special ed with unvaccinated kids I believe I can't get COVID again but can I carry it and pass it to others I'm keeping my contacts low but my goddaughter and her baby are around and I'm wondering how safe it will be to go and hold him thanks for everything your safe, book was great safe if you pass once you get I mean the, the, the time course we call this by the way certainly three weeks you got to go 48 hours to be, to be symptom free at the end of an infection then you're safe you know your immune system has cleared the virus from your body in fact we call this Stephanie sterilising immunity is a real your body becomes sterile to the virus because your immune system is great at causing sterilising immunity so two days after your symptoms end you're back in business you know you can, you can behave as, 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 you, as you would you're not at risk of infecting people taking a break from the episode to bring you an ad because this podcast is only possible because of our sponsor supporting our sponsor supports the podcast and let me tell you about who they are Rockwell's financial planning service is designed for anyone who feels as if they kind of need to just put a shape on their finances I don't know if you're like me you kind of feel like oh my finances are all over the place I need to kind of start adulting this is the service for you. Whether you're like a senior executive in a multinational company or a small business owner or just a young couple looking to get a head start in your financial planning, a single person who wants to make plans for their future. So they consider themselves financial doers rather than financial planners, which I really like because it's active. It's not just like namby-pamby sort of making a plan. doesn't matter where you are in the country. They're happy to help you in person or over Zoom. Pensions and investments are really important, but they're absolutely useless without knowing why you're using them and what you're using them for. They are in the outcomes business. They are in the business of results. 
So it's not just about the plan, it's about the action. So they use this like award-winning investment advice to help their clients achieve their goals. And they have a special offer for you listening right now, for basically listeners. If you go to rockwellfinancial.ie forward slash basically, you can book a complimentary financial planning session today. You'll get a cash flow model which outlines any gaps in your finances and they'll give you the first steps to achieving your specific goals. I highly recommend Rockwell and I think as a Basically listener, you should definitely check it out. It's free. It's going to put you on the right path to getting your finances in order. That's it. Go to rockwellfinancial.ie forward slash basically. Guys, I have something so exciting to tell you. Guess what it is. Listen to these sounds. These are the clues. I have merch. I have merch. I have a pen, which sounds like this. And I have a notebook, which sounds like this. What they look like are a notebook and a pen. The pen is sort of bamboo and they both say basically with Stephanie Preisner on them. Actually, the pen just says basically. And they are on sale now and you should buy them. The pen costs five euro. The notebook costs 15 euro. You can buy them together. That would cost 20 euro. But if you are a Headstuff Plus member which costs five euro a month, you get the pen for free when you buy the notebook. Anyway, I know you're so excited. Just stop listening and go on to shop.headstuff.org and buy the merch. Send me pictures of you and the merch on my Instagram, which is at Stephanie Preisner. I'm so excited. It's a beautiful notebook. It, it's black and it has a little, little thing so that it stays closed and the pen is like clicky and smooth and it's blue when you write with it. That's important to know. And it's five euro and the notebook is 15 euro. And I'm very excited about the merch. Go buy the merch. I'm just taking a break from my show to tell you about another show on the network. This one is hilarious. If you haven't listened to it, you have to listen to it. It was kind of on a break just for all of the pandemic, but just in time when people start to need a laugh. This is one of the funniest podcasts you're ever going to listen to. Dave Coffey is a comedian. You might know him from like Dan and Bex. He does this show called Phoning It In, where it's an improvised comedy podcast where he throws out topics and then they do these phone calls that they make up on the spot and they are hilarious. I love the fact that like when you're listening to the show, you're there with them there's no script you're live in the moment with them I've found myself laughing out loud listening to it if you like a laugh check it out you're going to love it phoning it in phoning it in is back hello my name is Dave Coffey and I'm the host of phoning it in the hilarious improvised phone in show think Joe Duffy meets your favourite Irish comedians our first episode back is already out and features the young hot guys Tony Cantwell Shane Danburn and Killian Sunderman This season we'll also have lots of bonus material available on Headstuff Plus, including new improv-style games with all your favourite guests. Phoning It In is available every fortnight wherever you get your podcasts and on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. How do you do an antigen test on a child? Children get an easier PCR test only in one nostril and not really far up the nose. Is that the same with antigen tests on kids? Yeah, I know you'd follow the the guidelines with this is up each nostril with the swab. A bit of a dig around. Only halfway up, though. You don't need to go up to make your eyes water by any means. It's just getting the cells. Think about your... Six is the magic number. So six, six times round one, six round the other, six in the liquid. The liquid gets the stuff off the swab, you see. Mm-hmm. And now it's in the liquid. You squirt the liquid in the device and that's the detector and then the band comes up. So it is It is. Um, it's straightforward enough, you know. My husband was symptomatic, had a positive antigen test on day one. Negative antigen test the same day on day one and a negative PCR test on day two what would you do? That's, that sounds like a negative to me if, if you're getting negatives in the PCR and the antigen test 
that means you're negative. So there was Cover a false positive. There was a false positive, exactly. I think I think the rate of false positives are something like one in a thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it does so happen. It is going to happen. Yeah. Should we be worried for our under 12 children? Some previously healthy adults were seriously ill and some died. Is there a chance this could happen to healthy children? This is the hottest topic next now, by the way. Should we vaccinate the under 12s? And some countries are. In the US, for example, they're going down to over fives now. They're vaccinating them. And it's a bit of a controversial one. Very mild disease in children. Very benign, you know. Uh, Some will get sick, though. Some will end up with long COVID. Small numbers, you know, and then some might be spreading it. So, so the argument will be to vaccinate the children. Not, not right now, I don't think, because of all the issues with vaccine supply and stuff. But there's no doubt that this can affect children, rare, rare and all as it is. Um, and in America now, they're pressing for this to vaccinate children. Uh, one statistic I saw was um, 700 children have died of COVID in America, right? It's a lot, isn't it? Uh, well, out of a million, I mean, it probably isn't. Yeah. But not a single child has died from the vaccine. Right? So, <laughs> in other okay. words, it's that kind of balance. You know, the, the benefits there would outweigh the risks. Not as much as in adults, obviously, because there's a higher risk in adults of getting sick, you see. So, so I think we're going to move towards vaccinating children. And, and then remember, the main reason to do it is to drive the virus down. You know, yeah. you're not vaccinating them because they're, they're at risk of getting sick because they're very low risk. We just want to drive the Get virus. Get rid of the down. virus. And, and then the virus, the, the ultimate goal, which will happen in 2022, by the way, if you read this Economist article anyway, it'll become endemic then. Now, what that means is it's low level in the community. By when? At a baseline, middle of 2022 in developed countries, they're predicting endemicity, as they call it. The trouble is in the developing world, the vaccine rate's very small, so it'll be higher in those countries for longer, you know. But by the time you get to the end of 2022, many countries, the prediction is, will have become endemic with this virus. Okay, so you have hope for the future. You always have As hope ever, for the future. The science will save us, I've told you, it's happening, you know. So, the audience, so we've just gotten word from Alan that the European Medicines Agency has approved the lower dose of Pfizer for children ages 5 to 12, 5 to 11. Yep. So if you had a 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 year old, would you get them vaccinated? I would, yeah, myself. If yeah. I had children that age, I would for definite. Because if the EMA says something, I really trust them. <laughs> They're yeah. the real experts, you know. They look at this really closely. They're very competent people. And they'll have looked at children, the data on the trials. There are millions of kids have been vaccinated now, you see, so in the US and places. So in other words, they've said, look, this is a safe thing to do and the benefits outweigh the risk in that age group. So now the question is, will we do it in Ireland, I suppose? And how many par- Some parents are still reluctant. You can understand that you know, as well, of course. So, to, But I would myself, yeah. Yeah, so I think they said that it'll be December 20th before the vaccines become available for them here in Ireland. Yeah. Can I reco- How do you feel about doing an antigen test? I've done so many of them. Can, will you do one that <laughs> I can course. record? Okay, yeah. so I'm going to get Luke to do an antigen test. I'm giving him the swab now. I'm giving him this little... This pregnancy test bit. Yeah, it looks like a pregnancy <laughs> test kit, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm giving him... There's we're going to see if Luke is pregnant. There's yep. a swab and there is um, this little vial. So I'm right. also going to record this yep. on my... on That's video. fine. Right, so what I'm going to so do So we're recording is... Luke doing an antigen test now. Yep. Now I've got to open this a bit, you see, to get the liquid. This is a slightly less sophisticated test than the other one. I'm going to put the liquid into this tube to get us ready, you see, for this. Yeah. That's I that. think that stands up in some sort of a box it here. It does, yeah. You get a little stand, is there? I think to make it a bit easy for us, maybe. I can hold it in my hand. You can do it there. Now, um, I don't, this probably won't So stand. the crux of it is, and it is very straightforward, nobody should be thinking it's uh, anything complicated. Uh, I've got my little thing here, but this is my detector, you see. Let's get that out as well. 
So the goal is very simple. Let's say there's virus up my nose, okay? Yeah. I want to be able to detect that. So I'm going to stick the swab up my nose, scrape the cells, and then if the virus is in the cells, then we'll detect it with this. And the, the number is six. About halfway up, and you do, you do six little swivels. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then the other one for good measure. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now, I've scraped a fair bit on the inside to get the cells. Okay. If you don't do that properly, you could get a false negative. Now... The stuff on the end of the old uh, swab here. Now, in the liquid, you stick it in the liquid and then you do a good bit of sloshing because you want to get it off the swab into the liquid. The one, two, three, three four, four, five, six. six. And you can even do a bit more if you want. That now is great because now it's gone from the swab into the liquid. And then I'm just going to squirt this and it comes with its own little squirting device, which is great, into the, into the detector, right? And the little roundy window is where you stick it. Four drops suffices in there. So there's one, two, three, four. And that's it, right? So it's very straightforward. So what's going to happen now is, if there's virus in that liquid, it'll move, it, well, the liquid moves up through the device and it's, it gets stained, you see. So if the virus then reveals a little band, a little line on this, you see. And it's climbing up already. See the way it's, the liquid's climbing up? What's happening actually is there's antibodies on this that trap the spike from the virus and detect it. See. There's so much technology in that. Sorry, there's so much technology. technology. Yeah, yeah. Well, all you're doing is getting some stuff out of your nose into a liquid, and then the liquid is stuck on this, and you detect stuff in the liquid. You see, and if it's if it's in the liquid, you'll see a band comes up, and it takes about 15 minutes. Mind you, you can probably it, it really begins within a minute. And what's great about this as well is, how do I notice plastic devices any good? Right? Yeah. A band will appear opposite the C line. That means control. That means the kit's working. In other words, if there's stuff in it. So there a line should be, comes up. there'll just be one line. If you get if no line, negative. the whole thing hasn't worked, right? Yeah. Now, the trick is if you get a second line where T is, that stands for test. That means you're positive. If that's positive now, Luke, like we're ghosts. We're, you're a close contact. Now, the, the blinds <laughs> come up with the C already. So see, there's a line is appearing where the C is. See that? There's a line there, see? It'll get yeah. in. There's no line where the T is, thank God. Would but it be we, there but, already, but it might Well, take... you got to wait a few minutes just. See, it's getting darker now, see that? Put so it there. The, 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 you know, the, the one-liner the one is great here. One line good, two lines bad. <laughs> okay, because two lines means you're detecting the virus in your, in, your, in, your, uh, in your nasal cavity, you see. Got that. Uh, and that gives you 85% accuracy. So, so if I'm positive, right, it'll pick up 85% of cases. So it's a great, it's a great term. So I'm going to raffle off well, this. I'm yeah, going to raffle off this. Jesus, I don't know how that would go for. <laughs> Luke, thank you so much. Um, so you're hopeful for the future. Oh, I definitely am. Yeah, and, and one of my big hopes, and this is really important, is these antivirals. I mean, they look better and better. What, like, what's and the situation? They're being made in so Ring of Skiddy, you... as you might know. Um, Pfizer's making its drug in, in Ring of Skiddy for the world, by the way. Uh, so that the means US if you ordered, are. 1.2 billion doses of the Merck drug is on order by the US administration. The EMA have just said to every Europe, EU country, you can approve this if you want now. So the Irish government should approve the Merck drug now. And it goes, initially it's going to be used in people at risk of severe disease. Normally new drugs are given to the ones who need it most initially, you know. But the data is great. And I spoke to someone in Pfizer, whom I know, who developed the damn drug. This is two weeks ago. And he said he'd never seen data like this. He said this is 89% protective against hospitalisation, which is a huge result, you know. So so we're very optimistic with that as another another key weapon. So it just means that, like, people are not going to die of COVID. Well, what will happen is this. Uh, I predict this will happen in February when it gets approved eventually. You start getting symptoms. 
Yeah. You get a PCR test to make sure you're positive. And that'll be an issue. We've got to make sure there's enough PCR tests. If you're positive, you go on a course of this drug, you take it for five days and it kills the virus in your body. So it's basically like no an antibiotic for... It's an, it's an antibiotic. Yeah, exactly. It's the exact same as antibiotic. It's class. Um, and, and we're so overjoyed to see this because there was a risk they might make them. They could have side effects. It was like vaccines, really, you know. And yet, two companies now have made two very safe antiviral drugs. Now, there's more coming. There's four or five in development as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that this antiviral thing is a huge weapon to use in the new year, you see. Because, obviously, you've got two then. You've got the vaccines to protect and the antiviral to kill the virus. That gives us real grounds for optimism, you see. Hello. So, just since we recorded this episode, there's a new variant that has been reported on called Omicron. And... Because I wanted the podcast to be up to date, I got Luke O'Neill to send a little voice note to me updating us on what the story is with this. Because when we recorded the podcast, it wasn't around and that's how fast things move. So that's why this note for me is slightly less good quality. And the voice note from Luke is recorded on his phone and texted to me. But I think it does the job. Here he is. Right. So this new variant, Omicron, let's have a good look at it. It suddenly emerged. Um, there are three things that we worry about when we see any new variant. First of all, will they break through the vaccines? In other words, will they actually make you sick even if you're vaccinated? Secondly, will they spread more? And that means it spreads a lot more in a community is the second thing that we worry about, of course. Um, and with this one, we're not so sure. It's got changes in the spike protein, which is the key thing that allows the virus to get inside cells, of course. Uh, it's got a load of changes there. And so we can kind of predict what might happen with it. Uh, some of the changes do suggest it might be able to dodge antibodies, for instance, or indeed that it might be more transmissible. But the fact is, we just don't know. And I wouldn't worry for the moment. I would just keep calm on this one until the science comes back. I know, uh, just looking this morning now, it's been studied massively in labs to see if it can get into cells more, and that might suggest increased transmissibility. Uh, they're also squirting antibodies on it to see if it can dodge the antibodies. So we should find out pretty quickly if it's going to be a problem or not. I would be slightly... Um, of the view that the booster shots will protect us from this one because remember they cause a massive antibody response and as I've discussed before uh, you can have a situation where quantity trumps quality so even though the antibodies are slightly less effective the booster will bring out loads of them and it should still be able to handle this one. I think another thing to really talk about to give people some view is uh, the antivirals will work against this variant so because they hit a different part of the virus not the spike and remember, it's changes in the spike that we're looking at here most of all. So we've got to get those antivirals as soon as possible. So in other words, uh, we have a way out of this, even if it comes among us. Uh, and we just need to keep calm, that famous phrase, and use all the science that we have against it. Finally, just while I'm at it, I've just seen Moderna already are making a vaccine specific for this one. So that will be available within 100 days. So you can see now that gives us another weapon after Christmas if, thing, if this thing begins to spread. So it's by no means the end of the world. Just keep the ship steady. And then most importantly, of course, it reminds us, get vaccines to developing countries, as we've been saying for months now, to stop any new variants or even further variants emerging. So there you have it. Quick update on Omicron. And on that note, we will leave it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to see the video of Luke actually doing his um, antigen test as a tutorial of how to do that, that's up on my Instagram at Stephanie Preisner. It will also be available on the Headstuff website if you want to look at it. So you can go to headstuffpodcast.com forward slash basically. Thank you for joining another episode of Basically. If you want to become a Headstuff Podcast member to get extra bonus material, this month, the bonus episode is um, a step-by-step -step guide to how I got diagnosed with autism 
from start to finish. Each of the emails that were sent, what they asked me to do, the questions they asked, some of the answers, not all of the answers, the process, how much it cost, where I did it. If that is of interest to you, that's the type of bonus material you're getting into. It's five euro a month plus VAT. You can cancel or pause at any time. And you basically just become one of the sound members of the community. And I highly recommend it. Um, our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara. Our producer is Alan Bennett. And we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. 